Nina, that day was one of the craziest days of our lives. We had checked into the hospital. You were ready to give birth to our third child. You were nine and a half months pregnant, right? That was 42 weeks. 42 weeks. And we talk to our doctor and we choose to check ourselves out of the hospital and go back to the place we were staying. Thinking about that, that's just the craziest thing anybody should be doing, but we did it. We sure did. Hey friends, welcome to the Encourage Inspire podcast. My name is Nina. And I am Nathan. In this episode, we're going to be talking about finishing the race, especially the last 15 steps. Sometimes in life we take this journey, but oftentimes we don't finish it off. We don't complete the journey that God has sent us on. Our passion is building faithful families. Thank you for walking alongside us as we share stories and talk about the lessons we are learning. Hey, Nina, I bet our listeners want to know what was happening that day, why we decided to leave the hospital. How about you share a little bit from your perspective what was taking place in our lives and in our minds in that moment? Here's the thing. This was my third pregnancy, and I was actually trying to go for a VBAC after having two cesarean childbirths. I had sought out a doctor that would allow me to do this. About a week before, though, that we went into the hospital, I had met with my doctor, and he was only going to give me, like, so long, so many more days. And so we had this, I had this uncertainty about, is this going to really happen? I've made it this far. The baby seems to be healthy. I really want to finish the race. I really want to get to the end and do the do it the way that, as long as the baby is healthy, the, and, my, and I'm healthy, the way that I'd planned to do this. He ends up leaving for a family emergency, the island. Like he has to go off the island and there's no other doctors that are going to allow me to have a VBAC under this certain hospital and practice. We felt like we were up a creek, right? It felt that way. We had another friend that had a recommendation that I could go see this other doctor. And so we went and saw her that same day and she was very positive and encouraging, like, yes, you can do this. And like, just really what I needed, but I'd felt kind of guilty, guilty, but also <laughs> like, yeah, like I needed to stay with this doctor because he was the one I had had from the semi beginning. She was okay with however I however I wanted to do that. So now we're in the hospital. I'm I'm in the very beginning parts of my labor. And a nurse comes out with a fasting sign, and that's when it really like snowballed my thoughts like of oh, I am not going to be able to do this delivery naturally. Because because if you were doing a natural delivery, then you need the energy, you need the food, you need the sustenance, but they're telling you to not fill yourself and get the energy you need. I was I was freaking out as well <laughs> because we both were reading the 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 literal sign, <clears throat> but the signs of what the expectation was from the medical team that was supposed to be on our side. So you you and I had a discussion about what do we need to do and is is the doc and you actually called or had called for the nurse and to be able to talk to the doctor to say, "Hey, what's going on here? What what's the process going to be for Nina to be able to deliver the baby. And what did he tell you? Well, I I spoke with a nurse and she said, we're going to give her six hours. And if Nina doesn't deliver in six hours, then 
um, we'll have another cesarean. And when you heard that, you weren't happy about that, but your mind started running to the other doctor we had seen maybe a week before. And uh, so we had just called our doctor, then we called the other doctor and asked for her opinion and her advice. And she was still very positive, like, you can do this, uh, you need time. Yeah, she said, it was, it's still going to be a little while. So I was like, Nathan, I haven't made it this far in my pregnancy. Like, I'm already overdue in terms of medical overdue. And I don't, I don't want to be set up for just another cesarean. If the baby is healthy and I'm healthy and I can do this, I want to complete what, what I really feel like God had given me peace to, to try to do. And so we call our original doctor. I know this is getting confusing. We're switching back and forth between doctors, but we called the guy that Nina had seen for most of her pregnancy and said, we're checking out. And so we checked out against doctor's recommendations. We went back to the place we were staying and uh, you labored really like intensely for most of the rest of the day. Yes. And then we go to the hospital where the other doctor um, was working through several events, miraculous events, God's intervention, you were able to deliver your first uh, baby that was not born via cesarean. Yeah, and it was amazing. She did a, a wonderful job, and she really coached me and helped me finish the race. Hey, Nina, this whole series of stories about um, the birth of our third child, for me, it's one of the most exciting stories to retell after the fact, but in the moment— Many points along the way, I was just a, a nervous wreck. You were very, very, very committed to the idea of having a VBAC. I was worried because, you know, you hear of uterine rupture and your your blood type is unique. And where we lived uh, overseas, people don't have your blood type and just all <laughs> these fears in my mind. But we were talking with a, a friend of ours. He was a veterinarian. You'd been doing research and like you were so committed to finishing the race. You were so committed to taking the last 15 steps of this pregnancy that you were talking with him and he said, Nina, I have never heard of a horse having a uterine rupture after a cesarean. And, and what did you, what did you respond? How did you respond to me? I, I think that I pretty much said, see, Nathan, I can do it. I think you said, I think you <laughs> pointed something. at me and he's like, I told you so. I told you so I can do this. And Babe, one thing I love about you is your commitment to, to completing the race, different stages of life, despite the obstacles. And, and in this episode, that's what we want to talk about. How do we finish the race well? And if we've taken all of those steps in the journey, how do we especially complete the last 15 steps or so really well? So as we talk about the last 15 steps of, of any journey, any race, of those adventures in life, Sometimes we think of those long journeys, those journeys that take us far away. And, and we've had experience. We've been on airplanes for countless hours. It seems like it's countless hours. It's, it's really only between 25 to 40 hours. But in that moment, like we're on an airplane, we were either trying to fly overseas or get back to where we call home in the United States. And we would travel for thousands and thousands of miles. There was a lot of preparation involved with it. There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of making sure you don't lose children along the way. You're counting heads and bags. Counting heads and bags at every single security checkpoint. And the amazing thing was, say my goal was to talk to this one person. What if I made it all the way overseas and I made it to 
the office building where that person was at, and I made it really close to their office, and then I didn't take the last 15 steps. So like it didn't matter how far I traveled or how much I had prepared or how much I had journeyed. If, if I failed to take the last 15 steps of the race, of the journey, of the adventure, whatever it is, then I haven't completed my mission. But, but something that's interesting to me, Nina, is that, you know, it doesn't have to be a long journey, right? No, it, it can be even a short journey. There are lots of times that we are daily doing short journeys, just going to places in our, our city, right? Those are, mm-hmm. those, are, those are shorter distances that we need to travel. There's one place, though, that I think that we can even travel that's even shorter than going somewhere in our city. It's right in your neighborhood, and it's taking those last 15 steps to go knock on a neighbor's door or have interaction with, with any of your neighbors that live, that surround you. Yeah, so the journey doesn't have to be a long journey, but any journey that we don't finish, we've, we've missed the mark on it. As we think about the journey, and especially those last final steps, what are some things that happens in life, or what are some thoughts of people that prevent them from taking those, those last final steps? I think personally that one of the biggest maybe barriers or reasons would be of just fear, fear of what that person would think if, you know, you have this interaction with them. People in the United States, anyway, where we're living, a lot of times like to just be in their home. And you, so you, f- you feel afraid to go bother them. Like people don't want to bother other other people around them. And so I think it's just Lots of different fears popping up of not not knowing them, not knowing what to say. And so that, that just brings on fear. I think this would be like a great example of a, a sitcom on TV. You know, a young boy wants to go to the beautiful girl's house and ask her a very important question like, will you go eat ice cream with me or whatever, you know. And so the kid walks up to the door. I mean, we've seen scenes like this, but he just can't hit the doorbell. Like he's there, right? But he's afraid of what might happen. But something about fear that's so interesting to me, sometimes we're actually more afraid of what might happen than what actually does happen. Hmm. So that that fear of the unknown uh, paralyzes us. But if we would actually take the next step, it wouldn't be unknown anymore. Hmm. For me, I was also thinking of pride. You know, sometimes, especially when we feel like God's leading in our life, he wants us to go in a specific direction. We get really close, but we don't want to take that final step. Because if we do, that means that we have to surrender our wants, wishes, and desires. And we have to say that he is the Lord of our life and he's in complete control and he's the one that reigns over us. And, and so that that's sometimes hard. Like we've been we've been talking about Jonah. The pastor's been talking about Jonah at our church and I think Jonah is an interesting case study. His issue was with every 15th step, <laughs> like he was running <laughs> the, the wrong the direction. First step. <laughs> yeah, the first step. So he went in the opposite direction and then God intervenes at so many levels. But, you know, every every step of the way, Jonah has a prideful heart and he's kicking, screaming and fighting. That's interesting, though, that you say you bring up Jonah and then you said he had a prideful heart because I, another reason I think is just plain disobedience. Like, and I think Jonah also was 
disobedient to the Lord and taking that initial step. So maybe it was pride, but it was also disobedience. Yeah, just not wanting to listen. So um, in our journeys, like uh, we're going to be talking about some spiritual aspects. Um, that's kind of like where we like to, to to focus our conversations and our discussions. But I mean, there's just real everyday practical applications about finishing well. But um, we'll, we'll flesh some of that out a little bit later. Uh, one more thing that I think stops people from taking the final 15 steps, and sometimes what stops people from taking the first 15 steps is is an idea that they're just either unaware, and I'm going to say uneducated, but that's not quite the right word. They just they just don't know. So somebody told me one time, if if you're working with somebody and they're not following through on the instructions you've given them, there's three questions you need to ask. What is it you really want them to do? So a lot of times people just don't even have a clue of what you're asking of them. So we need to define that, especially with like our kids even our expectations in our relationship, right? Right, yeah. Are there are there any what's that, that you can think of that would be like super important if we think of like the spiritual world and our spiritual lives? One what that I know we need we need to apply in our spiritual life is knowing what God wants of us. And so we can look in scripture and look at the Great Commission and know that as we are going, we are supposed to be making disciples and training them um, in the way that the Lord had commanded the disciples. Um, something, though, that I think about with our relationship, you mentioned our relationship and a what in our relationship is communication. Knowing the what, what are the things we're focusing on? So like if I tell somebody... The Great Commission is, as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptize, and teach them the commands of Jesus Christ. If I am working with a young couple and I say, your what's communication? So so some people don't even know the what. Some people know the what, but then they have to go, well, how do I actually do that? So if we go to the communication idea, the how is you communicate in love. You communicate with patience. You communicate with the other person in mind, not thinking of yourself more highly than them. So knowing that communication is important is very different than knowing how to execute communication in a God-honoring way. And and the same thing with the Great Commission. Like, I know I need to share my faith with other people, but have I been trained how to do that? Like practical ways, or have I seen another believer in my life be an example that I'm like, that's, oh, that's what you mean. Okay, I I knew I needed to share, but that's how you share. So so there's there's these different types of people. So when somebody doesn't know, tell them the what, tell them the how. And what's the third one, Nina? It's why. Why are we doing this? And this is my favorite question. Like, why? It is his favorite. Why is it important? Why is it the thing that needs to be done? And there have been times in our communication, Nina, where... I probably understood a bit of the what, the bit of the how, but when you told me why it was important to you, or when I understand that sharing my faith is part of God's plan for all people to hear his good news, when you understand the why, then it gives you that full picture of what are the most meaningful things in life. You definitely need all three, though, to really, like you said, to understand the complete 
mission of, of what you're doing, how you're doing it and why you're doing it. Yeah. But just realize when you're working with people and being a part of their lives, some people are at different starting points. Hmm. And, um, I'd say even over seasons of our life, we're at different starting points with different aspects of, of this and that's okay. So just when you're instructing, when you're discipling, when you're mentoring, um, to help people take those final 15 steps, to help some people take those first 15 steps, help them address the obstacles, but also give them a, a great understanding of, of the purpose and vision of what's happening. In a previous episode, we talked about how the topics we, we discuss, we want it to be biblical and we want it to be beneficial. So this is our time to pull in that biblical component is running a race, is finishing the race, taking those last 15 steps, even something that scripture talks about. Nina's going to read from 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 through 8, so that we can get an idea of what God thinks of about life and, and running races. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So Nina, let's use our three questions we just talked about. What? What do people need to understand? Like, what is the what of these verses? (laughs) Well, verse 2 talks about preaching the word. And so I definitely think that is one of the what's, but it also said reprove, rebuke, and exhort and teach. So there's these elements of using the word to correct. There's these elements of using the word to encourage. Yeah, definitely. And teach. And teach, which, you know, that seems funny because we think of teaching as like the big umbrella, but in scripture, there's these very specific aspects of using God's word for specific functions. Hmm. So if we see what we're supposed to do in this scripture, how do we do that? Like, what do you see in scripture about that? One of the hows in that verse, verse two, is saying, be ready in season and out of season. So be ready all the time. So there's a preparedness, right? Yeah. Like if we're teaching the word, how do we do it? All the time. <laughs> and you, and teaching with patience. Oh. <laughs> you got oh. me. <laughs> Yeah, teaching with patience, that's the how. So if we're not teaching with patience, we're not probably not executing that properly according to God's will for our life. And again, I, I love the why, but what's the why about? Hold on, before we get to the why, you know, verse 6 talks about being poured out as a drink offering. That also is part of the the how and how you preach the gospel, how you're teaching and being ready to serve other people. Mm. And then right at the very end, Paul talks about the why, but right before he gets to the why, he says, I finished the race. But what's the why, Nina? The why is 
because at the the end, like when it's all said and done, we have righteousness through through Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. We there's an award, a reward, um, that will come when when we finally get to finish this race on earth. There's a reward in heaven waiting for us, and that I mean, Jesus is our reward. His being in His presence. But in a future event, we will be with him for all eternity Yeah, in his presence. Let's talk about some aspects of life where we run the race. And I want us to think about the long race across years and decades of life. But I think there's also some parts of the race that feel like sprints and some parts feel like marathons. So like in our marriage, how do we finish the race, either one of those sprints or just the whole marathon, the journey, the journey. Like we talked about communication already, the importance of understanding why your spouse needs to hear certain things and even how to communicate certain things with your spouse, because you and I think differently, right? Oh yeah. (laughs) Not, not that we disagree a lot on the essentials of our faith and of our philosophies, but just how we process life. We think about it differently. We think about it differently and we process it differently as well. I can say something and it makes perfect sense in my head, but I have to also think about how do I contextualize my message to you so you can receive it. So I'm thinking of my how, but then my why is because I want to to be in great communication with you because I believe communication enhances our marriage and it helps us understand expectations and Well, and, and it helps us to finish the race like Without that healthy communication, it'd be really difficult to do daily life together. And I do want to step back. Even though we do agree on, on many of the essentials, we don't always agree. And and friend, if you're listening now and you're in a relationship with somebody and you don't agree on the essentials, then you definitely need communication to, to work through those aspects of life because... Uh, we're going to talk about in a future episode this consistency of mind and consistency of application. And, and communication is essential to make sure that you can move through that part of life. But what else about marriage? I mean, communication, we need that to finish the race. Something we've been talking about a lot recently is like dreams and dreams and goals. You know, we need to figure out through scripture, are we filtering our, our dreams and our goals through God's word? But we have to be on the same page or at least work towards communicating those things with each other. Yeah. And and I think part of that too is just communicating with one another on what that looks like. But then also, like you said, pulling in and just going to the Lord together about those things and asking, okay, this is what we are dreaming of, but mm-hmm. what is your dream for us, God? You know, what is it that you want us to do? And so put that into our hearts so that we can align with you. A lot of times people think that, that God wants them to be happy. What I believe is God wants us to be holy. Mm. And like my marriage, Nina, I love you, but God doesn't use you as the only instrument of happiness in my life. Mm. Like he wants our lives together to bring us in a holy relationship before him. And then he gives us joy. I think sometimes in our marriage, we need to make sure we're, we're running the right race, right? Because if you're running the race of happiness or the the pursuit of X, Y, and Z that's outside of God's plan for our life, then 
Mm. we're running the wrong race. We're more like Jonah running in the wrong direction Mm. and we won't hit that finish line. Yeah. So marriage, you know, we have kids. Some of you who are listening today have kids, but let's kind of think about what does it, what does it mean to finish the race, to be in the race? um, When we think about our family life for our families, if God isn't desiring happiness as our primary goal for our lives as married couples, then I believe he's not desiring that for our kids. And, and please hear me. It's not that you can't have the emotion of happiness and it's not that God doesn't want you to be joy filled, but I don't think that's his primary goal for our lives. What do you think, babe? Well, when I think about family and trying to finish the race with family, I think about how, how are we discipling our kids to follow after God? What steps are we taking as a family, whether that be through prayer or God's word, memorizing God's word? How are we helping our kids and training them to know how to follow after the Lord and and be able to, we're going to go back to the word, communicate with us? We had an opportunity to listen to a couple one time talk about family and, and our oldest at the time, she probably wasn't any more than a couple of months old. And something that he said that stood out to me is that my job as a father, and Nina, your job as a mother is to equip our children to be the, the mature version of who God wants them to be. And, you know, that's that's really hard to, to comprehend sometimes when we, we have our own desires and goals for our kids. But running this race and running it well is not about my finish line. It's about God's finish line. And mm. even thinking of, of our oldest preparing to drive and thinking of our kids moving on and, and maturing and and um, living life, it's not about me holding on to them with my hopes and dreams, but it's about us preparing them for what God wants from them and what God has for them. That's really humbling. It's exciting, uh, scary. And, and hard at times, and too, hard. to let it's this open hand concept of letting God work in their life and use them. But when our hands are open, He can fill them. But when our hands are open, He takes things and moves things around sometimes. <laughs> we haven't been single in a long time, right? But, <laughs> but I, think, I think it's important to talk about how, how you finish the race well. In singlehood, I mean, it's it's an important part of life. If that's who you are, if that's what your life is like, you need to finish that race well. And, you know, in a world where people think that you fix life's problems by having relationships, you know, that's that's not always the answer. Yeah. I think of Paul. Didn't Paul say, I'm glad that I'm single? Yeah. Because I can serve God and devote my life to him. And, uh, you know, Paul was talking to Timothy and he was talking about finishing that race well. So friend, if, if singlehood is, is a, an aspect of your life, not the totality of your life, then we want to encourage you to find a community, be a part of the larger body of Christ and, and run that race and, and finish that race well. Work life is another area we need to talk about on where to finish the race. For me, my work life is actually in in my home. I do homeschooling. You know, I'm a mom of six kids, 
And so everything that I do is is in the home right now, but I want to do it well. I want to finish well, even with what I'm doing in the home and with my kids, so that I want them to be people who um, follow after the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want, you know, I want that for myself as well. I there's one, There's been a time, you know, in my life where I've worked outside of the home, but it's been a, it's been a long time. And, and so no matter where work life has you, you know, you can, you can strive to finish well in that area too. I think one of the struggles of work life is what we do for whom's, for whose glory is it? You know, a lot of times we, we think of our work life as separate from God. And so we get to do these things for our own glory. But I think the important thing about work life is if you're going to excel and if you're going to be a person of excellence, then you need to point that back to who God is in your life and who God has, has made you to be instead of taking that, that credit for yourself. Like as, as a man, I, I analyze my success and my results. And so I have to be very careful not to let that become an idol um, so it looks like I'm finishing the race, but like, am I running the race the right way? Am I running it for the right purpose? Like, again, what's my why? And, and in life, I'd rather look at the end of my life and go, I ran it for God and for his honor and his glory versus my own honor and glory, because that's not the, the kind of race I, I want to run. And I think for women, one thing that sometimes we look at other people and what other moms are doing and how they're doing their race. And, but that's not where God, you know, has called me. My, my race is different from another mom or another woman's race. Hmm. And so I need to focus on, on Jesus and what he wants me to be doing in my day-to-day life and, and, and do that well and not be focused on, well, what are these other ladies doing in in their life around me? And so there's this tension sometimes where that comes in and and it can hinder how you run that race. Thinking about families, you know, school life, especially for our kids, but many of us as adults, we're still working through higher education. Maybe we think that a, a different degree will give us new opportunities. And again, like there's nothing wrong with new opportunities. There's nothing wrong with the pursuit of, of good things, right? But again, my, my challenge would be, is, is this an aspect of your life and an aspect of your race, or is this an aspect of, of the Lord's race? When I was younger, I saw the example of my parents, and I, I said, I'm, I'm going to get a master's degree. And I don't have a master's degree. <laughs> That's what I thought was needed, or that was my my checkpoint or, or the box that I was trying to... Um, check and and hasn't been that way and so as we work with with life with our kiddos we need to make sure that school is understood like the purpose and the goal and the why how it needs to play out in their life sometimes what it means you know is it is it the identity of our children like is that how they is that how they define themselves and and I hope not you you do a great job of incorporating life in those traditional topics that, you know, we often incorporate or think about when we think about school. But you know what? One thing I like about our family, and I hope it's less about school and more about education, 
Hmm. You know, informing our kids about who God is, what he's done, what he wants for them, informing our kids about how to live out life well, how to live out life as as believers. And I, I guess what I'm saying is like when we're, when we're running these parts of the race in our life, any of these things could become an idol really quickly. Mm. And, and that means we're running the wrong kind of race. And so friends, as, as we think about finishing the last 15 steps in the big journey, like the last 15 steps and some of the sprints related to these aspects of life, make sure it's not an idol. Make sure you're really running the race for the right reason. Hey, we like to have fun, right? Oh yeah. Recreation and hobbies. Recreation and hobbies. Like this can become an idol really quick. <laughs> Or at least maybe take too much priority at times in our our life, yeah. Yeah, but like how do we use our recreation and hobbies to be a part of God's family or to invite new people into our homes? Um, I think there's opportunity where the things we have passions about, like we can meet with other people that have the same passion. Yeah, it can be a time of even discipleship or... You know, you can be playing a game um, with someone else and there's still opportunities to teach and and just talk about life together and equip and encourage one another. Yeah, and for our kids especially, uh, gaming is, is an important part of their life. They, I think they enjoy it maybe just a little bit uh, less than you and I do, but <laughs> we use them as teaching opportunities and we use it as fellowship opportunities with our family and with other people. We get to the end and I hope, (laughs) I hope you know that we're going to like put a little umbrella capstone on the top of all this and and every part that we've talked about already should be a part of our kingdom life. Like everything that we've talked about already is really not separate compartments that are meant to be isolated from other compartments. Like this all is under the umbrella of Jesus Christ as our savior and Lord you know, and when Paul was talking about the race, that's the race he was talking about. Well, and even there's a commandment to seek first the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. and then everything else will be added to you. So, you know, even Jesus was talking about how we need to seek his kingdom first. And and then all these other things that we talked about will will be more complete. Let's go back to the the airplane example and across the street example. If we're thinking about God's kingdom, maybe you're blessed and you get to travel the world, or maybe God has sent you to a specific place for a specific reason. We encourage you, no matter how many thousand miles you have on your your uh, frequent flyer card, that you take the last 15 steps. And if God's asking something of you, don't go the whole journey and not finish the journey. But friend, in the same in the same breath. Please hear us that if God is calling you across your street to go knock on the door of your neighbor or to ring the doorbell to see how they're doing or or to share your faith with them because God commands us to do that, finish the race and uh, finish it well. Thank you for listening to us today. We enjoy talking about different topics like today with how can we run the race well and finish it well. If any of you want to reach out to us for prayer or if there's any way we can encourage you in how to run the race, finish it, complete it, please let us know. Nathan's going to put something in the description on how you can reach out to us, and we'd love to be praying for you about about those needs. So as we go, 
Let's continue to encourage one another as God inspires us to build faithful families. We appreciate you all. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you later.